The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. Good to be here, Rhett. A little bit of a hiatus for us, but that's because we were able to see each other in the flesh this weekend. Yeah, spent way too much time talking about dynasty basketball and basketball in general, not into a microphone. I brought my stuff. I did. I I went back to Indiana. I brought my stuff, planned on it, and then it was like, you know, let's just not do that. So we we didn't want to compromise the integrity and the quality of the show by trying to squeeze one in while I was gone. But we're back, and we didn't stop working just because we didn't have podcasts. We have updated our dynasty rankings. They are completely updated we're still working on the blurbs a little bit but the rankings are updated and i get people asking all the time like hey are your guys when do you update your rankings all that stuff is like here's a little secret for you guys our rankings are a live sheet they are constantly updated if travis and i wake up one day and are higher or lower on a guy we go in we change the ranking and that reflects in the sheet so no matter what the ranking is legit what you see there is what we feel based on however many days it's been since we updated them. We can't give you an exact day, but we will give you an update where we scroll through and we scrub through every month. We'll go through and make sure that the blurbs are right. We'll make sure that the rankings are how we actually feel going month to month. And then you're going to be set. You've got the most updated dynasty rankings out there with the most responsive dynasty people out there backing that up if you have any questions about them. And not only that, about the responsiveness, we are up to 27 ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We said the magic number is 35. It is still 35. You're not getting it dropped down. So spread the word, get those ratings and reviews out there, get your friends out here putting their thoughts on the podcast. We'd love to hear them so we can have a mailbag and talk about what you guys want to talk about. Yeah. And and going back to those dynasty rankings a little bit, Um, I know we've gotten the questions on when we update them. Yes, they are continually updated, but we do make some more major changes. I know me and you both sit down, we talk about it and make those major changes uh, about once a month or so. And we'll make sure that we do a show uh, about our updated rankings to make sure you are aware of those major changes that we are making. So we're doing this episode because I had a good idea and we were just excited to do it. So we're doing this one. I believe we're going to do a couple more team recaps for the season, and then we'll have a dynasty rankings update episode out there. So a couple news pieces had a bunch of injury updates because we were gone for a week. So Zion out another two to three weeks, hasn't started doing any game action. Pascal Siakam, will be doing game action in about two weeks, whether or not that means he returns to actually playing in games, or if that means five on five in practice, we don't know for sure. James Wiseman is cleared for full contact practice, which is a big deal for those of you holding him and hoping that he can show something. And I have Kavon Looney and I I'm just ready to cut bait, but I just can't because he has a role right now. So looking forward to that being released from that obligation, Isaiah Jackson, from the Indiana Pacers is going to be out for a while. That's a quote from Rick Carlisle with a hyperextended knee. 
I thought it was way worse than that when it happened. I thought it might have been Achilles, and then I thought it might have been ACL, but it's just a hyperextension. So while he is going to be out for a while, it's not nearly as bad as it could have been. Taylor Horton Tucker got his stitches removed and started shooting on Tuesday, the second when we're recording this. So that's a good deal. Rui Hachimura back to the Wizard facility from we don't know. No one knows where he's been. Hopefully he's doing okay. Thomas Bryant will be returning to basketball at some point in December, returning to the court sometime in December. So look forward to that. And then Dylan Brooks is going to be reevaluated in a week, which no one liked other than Dylan Brooks. Yeah, I'm extremely interested to see how Siakam comes back and fits within this team. I know we are all just super excited uh, watching what Scotty Barnes has been able to do to start this season. Uh, so I do wonder how Siakam comes back and fits within the the Raptor scheme and what they're going to do moving forward. Yeah, that was a lot of information. We're not going to elaborate on any of that. If you have thoughts on what that might mean for them moving forward and you want us to elaborate on it, please let us know. We are more than happy to do so. So today we are doing player comps and we have this list of players that Travis and I individually and together are just far higher on than just about anybody else out there. And some of it makes no sense because we just strongly believe in a guy, but some of it makes a ton of sense. And so we're going to go through and we're just going to talk about the players that we like the floor for them and the ceiling for them, referencing just some similarities in the player type similarities in the role, and then some statistical similarities that are pretty important to look into both for that player and their individual improvement but also the player that we're comparing them to. Yeah, and this was your idea, and I absolutely loved it. It's just something fun for us to do. Uh, like you mentioned, we are higher on most of these players than most industry experts in Dynasty basketball. So take that with a grain of salt when we get to our player comps here. <laughs> <laughs> they do get a little out of hand there towards the back end, mostly because oh, it's all Travis's guys. But uh, <laughs> no, it's good. It's really good because there's – you know, we're going to get to have floor. fun with it. You yeah, have exactly. It. Exactly. So the per 36 numbers for some of these do line up with a lot of these guys in ways that are almost too perfect. And so if you're interested in those, I will be writing an article about this here coming up. And it's going to be another rolling list where we're going to be having those guys. We're going to have their per 36. And as we think of other player comps, like, I don't know. I don't even have one off the top of my head because we wrote them all down. So as we think of them, we're just going to add them to the bottom of the list. We might talk about them on the pod. We might not. So be sure to subscribe to the Fantasy Pass. Go over to hoop-ball.com and get over there and check all of that stuff out. And going back to, I, I do want to talk about per 36 stats just a little bit before we dive in deeper because some of you guys may not even look at per 36 at all uh, when you're talking about younger players. And I know me and you, look at it all the time. It's, it's really how we project what these guys could be. Um, obviously those numbers can be a little bit skewed when you're looking at small sample sizes and whatnot, but if you're not looking at per 36, I highly suggest that you start doing so, especially with these younger guys that aren't maybe getting big minutes. Um, I personally use it for two things. Number one, it does help me project what a, a younger player who's only getting 18 minutes could possibly be one day or what he could possibly do once he gets closer to those, that 30 minute per game that we like to see. Um, and number two, when I'm making trades and, and looking to make acquisitions, 
Uh, it makes it super easy to compare a young player that's not getting a lot of minutes to a veteran player that is getting over 30 minutes and just kind of gives you that comp of, of what the, what the floor of a potential player could be versus their ceiling. And that's exactly why we were using that per 36 in terms of, of getting our player comps. And the one downside to per 36 is that a lot of players don't play 36 minutes unless you play for Tom Thibodeau, then per 36 is exactly <laughs> where you need to be looking to decide what your, your, uh, your production is going to be because they're just going to play 36 minutes. But it, it does put everybody on an even playing ground. Exactly. You know, you're, you're comparing apples to apples, which is essentially what we want to be doing exactly. uh, when taking a, a large amount of players and looking at their stats. Our first player comp should not be a surprise to anybody because it's Jaden McDaniels and we've been on this forever. And it seems like most people have caught up. He's been awful this year. So that's a good buy low situation for all of you out there because I'm definitely holding, but Jaden McDaniels floor is like a Dorian Finney Smith type, which is underselling his fantasy output a little bit, but not underselling the type of player that he could be where he's just a solid wing that people, that teams have out there because he's a good option. Solid defender doesn't require the ball, but Jaden McDaniels ceiling is Robert Covington. And that is way more spot on than what you're probably thinking right now. If you haven't been paying attention. Yeah, completely agree. Jaden's a, a guy that's been really looked at as part of that core moving forward for the Timberwolves. So I really like both those comps, especially that Roko comp as his ceiling. So uh, my first player is Cam Reddish. Obviously, you know I love Cam Reddish, so we've mentioned him a lot in this podcast, and his athleticism, his upside is just oozing with potential. Um, I have his floor as a Terrence Ross. I actually have two players for his floor because I couldn't determine, and I think they're both pretty spot on. So first one's Terrence Ross. Um, I think Reddish, if if nothing else, he's going to be a chucker in this league, a guy that can come off the bench and really score. Uh, Terrence Ross is super athletic, kind of matches up with uh, what Reddish's profile is. Um, but I think Reddish can be a little bit more than that. Um, so my other player, uh, as far as floor goes, is Andrew Wiggins when he was with the Minnesota Timberwolves, Andrew Wiggins. Not the current Andrew Wiggins that we have with the Warriors. Uh, the Steve Kerr coached Andrew Wiggins is a pretty dang good player. Um, we're talking the Minnesota Timberwolves, Wiggins, where he would show those flashes of being a superstar, but just couldn't really put it together, pretty inefficient. Um, and I could see Reddish being that type of player uh, moving forward. He does have that high draft pedigree as well uh, that kind of matches up. Now, Reddish's ceiling, this is what we want to get to right here, is, in my opinion, Paul George. And if you look at the way Paul George ascended in his career, uh, it's very similar to a possible path that Reddish could take. Uh, the steals are there. Reddish is a very good defender. Obviously, the athleticism is there. Uh, he's starting to shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, starting this season, his efficiency has gotten a little bit better. Again, small sample size, but hey, that's what we're projecting. So uh, Paul George is my player comp for Reddish as far as his upside goes. And for those of you that don't remember, Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota was like he was 20 points, four boards, two assists, one steal, which is fine, except that it was like 44% from the field and 73% from the line, which is just probably more efficient than Reddish would be in a, in a role where he's given, you know, 16, 17 shots a game. But I think those are great comps. And you guys know we're very, very high on what Reddish can be. And 
are feeling a little bit vindicated with how much he's been chucking the ball this year. Moving on to a guy that we almost didn't put in this list because it's just a little bit weird to talk about him because he's doing incredibly well right now. And that's DeAnthony Melton because DeAnthony Melton's floor is what DeAnthony Melton's kind of doing right now (laughs) because he's out there. He's playing 29 minutes a game and is a top 50 player. And that's ridiculous. Dylan Brooks is out. So I don't think that that's going to continue, but we did see that last year when DeAnthony Melton was not getting minutes, if he reverts back to a questionable role, he can be more of a George Hill type player, you know, somebody who's just solid all the way around and just, you hope gets a start here and there to win you a weekly matchup. But on the other hand, if he does get a starting role and he gets up to like the 32 minute mark, something like that. He could be kind of close to drew holiday. And that sounds crazy. I don't think he would score quite that much, but per 36 for DeAnthony Melton, 17 points, three and a half, three, six boards, four assists, 2.1 steals and a block. That's a really, really freaking good fantasy player. (laughs) Yeah. It's an incredible player. And he's such a hard guy to find a comp to because his, his assists or his steals in limited minutes is just there's really not a lot of guys out there like him. Uh, so I think Drew is a very good comp, and let's hope that even with Dylan Brooks' return, that he can still carve out a, a pretty solid role for that team because he's he's played really well for them this year. Moving on, my second player that we're going to talk about here on my list is RJ Barrett, and I know RJ Barrett is somebody that's already a pretty good player. He's, you know, in our top 70, I believe for our dynasty ranks. Um, so, but he's still got room to grow and that's the reason why he's on my list. If you look at his improvements, he's, I mean, he's taken even another leap. It appears this year, early in the season. Uh, so my floor for RJ Barrett, I had a difficult time because a lot of players, I felt like RJ is, is as good or better than, than that player right now. So my comp for him, as far as his floor goes is Harrison Barnes. Uh, and the reason I say that is just because if, if RJ kind of continues on the current path he is right now, uh, maintains pretty decent shooting, a really good score, and just an overall really solid player, decent defender, um, but doesn't really add any playmaking to his game, I think Harrison Barnes is a pretty safe floor for him, um, which is a, a really solid, consistent fantasy player. Now for a ceiling... You know, hold this on is where it chairs. gets crazy. I, I told you I'm going to throw out some crazy ones, but hey, we're, we're having fun with this. Um, I honestly think that RJ Barrett's ceiling, if everything goes right for him, is a light version of James Harden. He says re- light. He doesn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that is, I, first thing I look at is their physical attributes. You know, James Harden, as incredible as a player he is, he isn't an extremely physically talented guy like he's obviously he's super strong but he doesn't have tremendous hops Um, he's not super fast he's he's pretty quick but he really utilizes his strength and his elite ball handling uh, to get where he needs to go and to be a, a really good offensive threat and I think Barrett has a lot of those similar attributes he's an extremely strong player uh he's not super quick he doesn't have great leaping ability but he's a very smart basketball player he's high IQ and if he can really work on his handles and his playmaking, if you remember, Harden was a six man off the bench early in OKC. Um, he didn't 
he wasn't really a big assist guy. You know, he was kind of right around five, six assists um, early on in his career. Obviously, he's now the elite playmaker that he is. Uh, but I, I truly believe that Barrett could become that type of player uh, if he if everything goes right and if he continues to ascend the way he ha- as he has early in his career, because he is just 21 years old and he's showing just tremendous improvements. It is pretty ridiculous to see the shooting improvement that RJ has shown here over the last couple of years. He's in his third season, but he's already just made massive, massive improvements. And this is a team that hasn't really given him the ball as much. And if they do, if he keeps developing, breaking guys down off the dribble, like that's a really, really good player coming down the pipe. Moving on, my guy, we just talked about him a little bit. Uh, He did just get injured, but it's Isaiah Jackson. And it's funny to think about him because he's very raw. He hasn't played very much. And the Pacers talk about him a lot, but haven't played him very much to start the season. And now he's injured. So his player comp for me as a floor is just like a little bit worse of a Nerlens Noel, which is still a pretty good player. But if he's just a guaranteed backup that doesn't quite have the minutes production, then you kind of stuck with that. But his ceiling is Nerlens Noel getting 30 something minutes a game. And that's a really, really good fantasy player. So, so last year's version of Nerlens Noel. <laughs> well, no, because in that last year's version, he only got like 23 minutes a game. Yeah. And so he started, yeah, I guess he know, started just more. That's that's just three blocks a game, two steals, <laughs> whatever, you know. <laughs> but no, uh, Isaiah Jackson is just a guy that he seems like he's just going to be a defensive monster blocking jump shots all over the place. So it's going to be that, that is a fun one for me that will obviously have a much bigger sample size before we actually start making player comps. And we've said it before, but the Pacers are extremely high on this player. So that's absolutely makes all the difference as well. Uh, Next player I'm going to talk about is somebody that I've really hyped and, and have tried to make sure other players don't, just trade him for nothing or throw him into trades. And, and I've, I really think he's held his value, or at least to me, um, I've made sure that I haven't dipped him too far. And that's James Wiseman, the number two overall pick last year. Uh, we haven't gotten to see him this year. As we mentioned in the news, uh, he is back at practice, which is awesome to see. Uh, hopefully he can get back on the court sooner rather than later. Uh, I had a difficult time with Wiseman because he's, you know, there's not too many seven footers with that kind of athleticism in the league. Uh, so the floor I have for him is JaVel McGee. Now I know JaVel McGee is the butt of a lot of jokes. Uh, I laughed at this when I saw it. <laughs> I won't lie to you guys. So if you're laughing at home, you're, it's, join me. It's fun. It's fair. But JaVel McGee is an extremely athletic seven foot center. Uh, he's never really gotten a, a main starting role. He's kind of always been a backup. I obviously think Wiseman is going to be a little bit better than JaVel. But if Wyden doesn't develop uh, a lot of the mental aspects on the court, uh, if he doesn't become a little bit more, uh, I think he will with with um, Draymond there. But if he doesn't become, you know, increase his basketball IQ and things like that, he will be just a really athletic seven footer that can block shots and uh, be on the other end of alley oops and things like that. So that's my floor is Javale McGee, a useful player, but obviously not what we expect out of Wiseman. And again. Big time ceiling with Wiseman because he's so athletic. I had a hard time finding a comp with for him. So I am going to say Anthony Davis light version of Anthony Davis again. Uh, big Bigger emphasis on the light here. But if you look at Anthony Davis early in his career, he wasn't the type of shooter that he is now. He didn't have that, that three-point shot in his 
game that he currently has now. Uh, and Wiseman, we've already kind of seen him be a little bit more confident in that jump shot than what I even thought he could do. He stepped back and hit, can hit a 15-footer. Uh, he was pulled the trigger on three-point shots uh, in his rookie year more than what I even thought he would. And that's something that I think he can continue to develop in his game. Uh, he's extremely athletic. Again, if he can become a little bit smarter, his basketball IQ increases. I think his block shots can increase as well. Uh, over two blocks a game, kind of on that AD level. I don't think he's going to get the steals that AD can get. But if he can progress and he's on a great team to do it, they're going to hold him accountable. Uh, I think he can become the next Anthony Davis in this league. That's an insane comparison. That isn't really that insane because that just shows how wide of an outcome that Wiseman yeah. has. Because <laughs> I just, uh, like I, I can just compared see... Javel McGee to yeah, to AD. <laughs> right. That's just whatever. That's the spectrum we're on here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're either a Shaq the Fool MVP or like an actual league MVP. Um, but yeah, I I don't think that's that crazy at all. I was thinking more along the DeAndre Ayton line of things because of the steals, like you said. But I think that Wiseman can be a better shooter than that. So who knows? Who, who knows what that'll be? Let's just let's just get him back on the court and healthy and then hope that Steve Kerr gives him more than a four-minute leash in this season. So my next player, also not a surprise, Devin Vassell. We have been on this and on it and on it, and now we're going to give you some comparisons to show what we think. His floor is not very exciting, and it's like – Josh Richardson from a couple years ago, not Josh Richardson from this year, because Vassell is already better than Josh Richardson this year in both real life and fantasy, because Vassell right now is like inside the top 150, which told you. But his ceiling, Vassell's ceiling, is OG Ananobi from last year, I believe, because his per 36 is like 16 points, two and a half plus threes, six plus boards three assists, 1.6 steals, 0.8 blocks on decent percentages. And you know who that is? That's OG Ananobi. And I think Vassell might even have a little bit more of a ball handling responsibility earlier in his career than what OG has gotten up until this point. But the jump we're seeing for OG this year in both shot creation, ball handling, and then possibly a little bit more distribution – that that could be on the way for Devin Vassell, and I I am here for all of it. And I'm glad you brought him up because you have been on the Devin Vassell train since he came out as a rookie, and he's starting to finally show it in year two. And we've seen what OG's progression has been. Uh, hopefully, we can see that out of Vassell the next couple of years. Um, my player, uh, second to last player on my list is RJ Hampton. Um, I've mentioned how he's a, a sleeper for me this year. I thought. I, I still do think he's going to be in that starting lineup by the end of the year. Uh, the floor I have for RJ Hampton is Will Barton. And the reason I have Will Barton is because um, he's a player that can play both shooting guard and small forward. He's very versatile in that lineup for Denver. And I think Hampton could be that same type of player if he stays on the Orlando Magic for a long period of time. Obviously, Orlando is stacked at the point guard position right now. Doesn't really leave much room for ball handling duties for RJ Hampton. But if you remember, he came into the league as a point guard, uh, more of a combo guard, but still a guy that can handle the ball. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't see that role for him with this magic team. So that's where I have his floor as a Will Barton useful player, but not somebody we get excited about now for his ceiling. Um, again, we're going, we're going high up the top. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 
type ceiling for RJ. Y'all remember Hampton. when I was telling you how ridiculous some of his comps were? Like, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, he went absolutely nuts I, on some of these. I comps. just had a lot. Of, I just had a lot of fun with this. Now, <laughs> this isn't so much based on Russell's stat line. I don't think RJ Hampton's the next Mister Triple Double, uh, but it's more so on the physical profile. Like, Russell Westbrook is one of the most physically dominant NBA players ever of all time, especially at that point guard position. Uh, And I think RJ Hampton is extremely versatile, extremely athletic. If you've ever watched him play, uh, he's super bouncy, Uh, just somebody that I think could be an extreme athlete. And if he can put the basketball with his athleticism, uh, the sky's the limit for this kid. The reason I put Westbrook is I, I do, I feel if he can get out of Orlando and become more of a ball handler or even a combo guard with another guard, uh, more of a, you know, not really run with a true point guard. Um, I, I do think he can get, get four or five assists, uh, six to seven rebounds, score, uh, be really flashy with his dunks and things like that. Uh, so uh, really good athlete. Hopefully he can find a role. Uh, and the upside is tremendous just based on his athleticism alone. It's an interesting situation because if you're going to pick a team, like if you're going to pick a situation that you want a guy like RJ Hampton to be in, it's like sweet Orlando magic, no expectations. Don't try to win. You can develop him. But then they have Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, who's apparently amazing now. And then Marco Fultz on the way back. And so they're putting Hampton at the three sometimes. And that's just not going to be good for his development into what we think he can be rather than just turning him into like an Aaron Gordon type player, more or less. So another guy for me, Pacers, because of course, but Chris Duarte is a guy, I saw somebody on Twitter talking about this and it it kind of inspired this whole podcast a little bit. And they were talking about his floor and they said, what would you think about the pick if Chris Duarte was never better than like an Evan Fournier type player? which would be perfectly fine because that just would be better than having TJ Leaf. But Evan Fournier is actually pretty darn good, and Duarte this year is actually better than Fournier for fantasy. So that it's a weird floor to say somebody who he's currently finishing ahead of, but I think that that's pretty reasonable there. And a ceiling for Duarte is even more interesting when you think about it, but I think I nailed it because Chris Middleton is about as under-the-radar solid without being, like, a crazy athlete because Duarte is just a tough shot maker. Like, if anybody has watched these Pacers games, he's not blowing by people. He's not moving people with his dribble. He's not baking people, breaking ankles all over the place. He's just making shots, and maybe that'll regress, but that's what Middleton does. It's just a constant flow of just tough shot making, and that's what he does, so... Fournier to Chris Middleton, which is the difference between being a perennial top 40-ish fantasy player and being a perennial like top 100, top 90-ish player, which even if you're constantly in the top 100, that's still really, really good coming out off the bat in your first year as a rookie and, and putting up that level of production. As a Duarte owner, I approve of both of these player man you almost passed on him to take Zaire Williams as a win now team I'll take I'll take either guy as far as his floor versus his ceiling Um, my last player on my list uh, is the rookie that I love so much Uh, he's my boy out of Baylor that is Davion Mitchell 
Uh, I've been harping on him all all season. Uh, he's been dropping out of top tens and rookie drafts. Uh, he he definitely to me I would have probably taken him seventh or eighth in a rookie draft ahead of some of those uh, guys like Moody or or um, a book night or and those some of those younger guys. But uh, my floor for Davion is Patrick Beverly, and I think we can all kind of agree on that if if you've watched Davion play uh, any of his games this year he's really a shutdown defender um, that's what he was in the summer league it's kind of where he got recognized and then he's proven it this year he's he's garnered a lot of playing time just because the Kings really need defense and he's provided that spark off the bench for them on the defensive end and that's exactly the type of player that we all know Patrick Beverly was uh, somebody that can average over a steal get a few assists 10 points, knock down a three, and just do the little things right. Um, his ceiling, uh, I went back and forth on this. I think I didn't want to put Donovan Mitchell because obviously if you've seen my list, I don't want to get too carried away, right? We don't want to get too carried away with the ceiling here. So I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't want to be unreasonable <laughs> with any of these comparisons. Don't, don't want to, <laughs> just don't, don't want to get too, too high. But uh, I put a prime, a prime Eric Bledsoe. And the reason I put Eric Bledsoe is again both the guys a little bit shorter pretty strong uh are really relying on their quickness as far as on the defense and offensive end but to me eric bledsoe has always been a player who at the end of the year you look at his stats you're like wow that's a really solid player 17 points four boards five assists almost two steals a couple threes and you're like dang he ended the season really well but then you look at his game log and it's like one game he has like eight points a couple steals, three boards, two assists. And then the next game, he bursts for 25 points, almost a triple-double. I think Davion Mitchell can kind of be that type of player. And the reason that is, is there's going to be some games where Mitchell's going to need to focus more on the defensive end and locking down a player where he doesn't need to score. And then he's going to have other games where he's just lighting it up from three, really feeling himself, and going to have those bigger games. But then at the end of the year, you look back, you look at the averages, and it's a pretty solid overall season. So that's the type of player I think Davion could become. Uh, again, he's going to be a little inconsistent based on what his role is going to be uh, needed for as far as the team goes. But overall, I think he's going to have really good stat lines moving forward. I could watch Davion Mitchell play defense on the ball just nonstop. Like, I, it is absolutely incredible to see what he's able to do in like his first five games against some of the most elite scorers, ball handlers in the entire league. And he's already got the nickname off night. That's just absolutely incredible. And I could not be more disappointed that you didn't have a crazier comp for him putting something up, (laughs) (laughs) putting something up. I don't even know what a, what a better comp for that would be, but but no, it's all good. Okay. Last player. And another like inkling in the back of my head, which which inspired this idea was when we were on here with Zach Henshu and talking about all of the the players that we were drastically different on. And I brought up Patrick Williams and then I brought up that Patrick Williams could easily be McCall Bridges as a ceiling. And I don't think that's unreasonable. His floor is also like a Dorian Finney Smith type player where he's just out there, but I think that Patrick Williams is already better than Dorian Finney-Smith in both real life and for fantasy, but obviously not right now with the injury. McCall Bridges in 2019-20 was at 
nine points, one three, four boards, 1.8 assists, 1.4 steals, and 0.6 blocks on 51%, 84%. And that was in 28 minutes. Do you want to take a guess on what Patrick Williams' per 36 was for last year? It's 12 points, six boards, 1.8 assists, 1.2 steals, 0.8 blocks, and then one three on 48% and 73% from the line. That is the same player with a little bit more scoring and a little bit worse free throw percentage. And McCall Bridges in that season was 75th. Patrick Williams is 20 years old. McCall Bridges did that in his 22 year old season. Like, man, if, if you can help it, go out there and get Patrick Williams, because this guy is going to be a perennial top 50 that fantasy player as soon as he comes back and healthy all you everybody worried about his usage and all that stuff with the bulls maybe it's warranted maybe it comes down to aggression and i think you can speak on that too but this guy is good they need him to play he's incredibly young and he's already got a decently fantasy friendly game and i'm going to repeat that what you said before because i feel like you just glossed over it he's just 20 years old and he's doing that and he has a role on this team he's going to be a player when he's healthy that's going to be a 30 minute per game guy at just 20 years old he and just, just turned 20 like and, his birthday is august 26th my man just turned 20 years old he will not be able to drink until the start of next <laughs> season he will be 21 at the start of next season he'll be younger than most of the rookies coming in that are going to be drafted in this next draft and we all love mccall bridges he's such a really just a really, really solid player to have on your dynasty team and what he can provide. And Patrick Williams is almost there. I think he can really get there next year and hopefully he can come back healthy and provide a spark for the Bulls. They definitely need him. Uh, but more importantly, uh, provide a spark for our dynasty teams because we we love to see him on the court. Absolutely. So if you can't tell, I have a type. It's wings. It's fine. Just just give me all the wings, even though my fantasy team never rosters them because I seem to care about assists. But whatever. So if you have a different comparison for these players, if you have somebody that you think either has a higher or lower ceiling and you want to put that out there as a comparison, like if you think RJ Barrett's going to be more of like a DeMar DeRozan type rather than Harden or a Tobias Harris or something like that. Those are a couple of names we threw out there as we're going through this exercise. Please let us know on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer and at Travis underscore Fuller 92. Go out and follow the podcast at Punt Intended Pod. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a good enough comp, I'll even add it to the article. We'll, we'll scratch what we think and we'll put your comp in there because some of these just got a little bit silly. And if you have a player that we didn't discuss that you think you are higher on than everybody else and you want to have some sort of per 36 player comparison conversation, I'm always here for that. So thank you very much for tuning in. Be on the lookout for that Dynasty update episode coming out soon, and we will catch you again next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.